0: First of all, we talked about what is meant by assurance. We also talked about why do I need assurance of salvation. Um, basically, went through some things on that. Uh, what is the basis of assurance of salvation? Can somebody tell me the three different things that come with the basis of assurance? It's the three Ps, the of God, the of God, and the of God. Right there in the notes. What's that? Sorry. Promise. Okay, the promises of God is one of them. The, pages. the what? The pages. Uh you're on page number eight. Page number eight. The presence? The presence of God, correct? And the last one? The person of God. The person of God. The reason why we say the person of God, hey, do we have some icing for those? We forgot the IC, huh? Um, but the idea there is that the person of God, we know that God cannot lie. Because God cannot lie, God said it, that settles it, that's important to understand. Secondly, we know the promises of God. God says he loved, uh, I have everlasting life, and I cannot come unto condemnation. And then we talked about how I can know to be saved. We went through a list of different things who so we can know to be saved. And this week we're going to talk about what brings assurance of salvation in my life. And I'll be honest with you, this is something that's... If you can get this here, this will help you in a lot of your own personal walk as far as knowing that assurance. I had a little bit of doubt when I was growing up, and I, I struggled with uh, my assurance. And it wasn't until I was about 17 years old. That I had a full assurance of my salvation. And some of these things is the reason for it. I've already mentioned some of this idea here earlier where it said uh, the person or the promises of God. God says that it settles it, but it should help you a lot more as well. So the first one we're going to go to, you know, first of all, we've got to point out a couple things. Remember, as it says in the notes here, Satan is a liar. He wants to do everything in power to make you convinced that you're not saved. If he can convince you that you're not saved, he can also make you feel defeated. He can make you feel overrun. And you don't feel like you have any power through God himself because you are not one of his. John 8, 44 says he is a liar and the father of it. It says in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 where he talked to Eve and he cast doubt upon the person of God, the promises of God. He says, hey, uh, God, God just wants you to be able to be, doesn't want you to be like him. And that's important to understand. So here are some ways that you can get assurance. First of all, Second uh, Timothy chapter three verses fourteen and fifteen. Let's turn there. First Timothy chapter three verses fourteen and fifteen. Sorry, Second Timothy. Second 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter three. And we find here in um, fourteen and fifteen. The famous verse that we all should know is 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, which says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is popular for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now, this one's a very good idea of what scripture is, but actually I'm going to be using these scriptures in today's message. 2 Timothy 3:14 says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You'll get a chance to be able to know the Word of God. And not just know the Word of God, you'll have the chance to be able to really dissect the Word of God. Understand the Word of God for yourself. I think too many people have lost this idea that, well, I just want to be spoon-fed. no. Take the Word of God for yourself. Find the Word of God for yourself. Uh, dissect, dissect the Word of God for yourself. That is the only way you're going to be able to put it to heart. Hey, Carlos, my sister, what do you today? Oh, uh, she's... Oh, okay. Love it. Good time with Grandma. We got some... We got some more, Cassie? Cassie made some homemade... Uh, oh. Forget it, she forgot the acing today, so... We had, this morning, I'll tell you what, we got ourselves a handful. We got going on the road and Cassie calls me because I have to bring my work truck, I didn't drive with her. Uh, I'm going to White Johnson after tonight's service. And uh, she called me, she says, I don't know what's wrong, but someone was pointing at us trying to get our attention and she says, I think we have a flat tire. So sure enough, we got, she had a flat tire we had to change it out this morning on the way in, so... Before a little we'll, single, but, well, I know, I know. It's, if we seem a little frazzled this morning, you know why. All right. So we find here, first of all, learn the Word of God. And this idea that uh, Paul was speaking to Timothy, he says, Tim- Timothy, listen, you've known these from scriptures from an early age. He says, you were taught by your mom and your grandmother. He says, you should, you learn them as a child. He says, take those things and apply them. Lewis, you grew up in church, right, most of your life. And so is Rolanda, and This idea here is that we continue on what we've been taught, and don't go away from that. And sometimes it takes refreshing. A lot of times we get to a point where we've learned the Word of God, but, you know, there's times when I need to go back through, and that's why I encourage people, if you can, read the Bible through in a year, and really understand the Word of God, what it is. All right, letter B, thank God for His gift of salvation. Uh, we all should. If you don't know it, memorize it. Romans chapter six and verse twenty-three. And they've given us a little, uh, a little uh, thing here. So thank God for His gift of uh, salvation. Uh, Romans six twenty-three. Anybody want to quote it? The wages of sin is Good job. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, what do we find here? What is in the blaze? Anybody? Wages. No. Eternal
1: the gift life.
0: of God. Life. No. The gift of eternal. Eternal. eternal life. Eternal life. Good job. Right, it's, I'm trying to start uh, writing in uh, lowercase letters and I forget how to do it in no, that I haven't written in the lowercase letters in a long time. All right, eternal life. And then we also have Second um, uh, Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Have you thanked God for the gift yet? Have you thanked God for what He's given you? How special is it? I think sometimes we forget that eternal life or the the gift of eternal life is just something that that everybody has and we're okay. No, it's something that God gave you specifically. He had to send His Son to die on the cross for our sins. Uh, Jesus had to go through the penalty of death. He had to rescue you from your own sin. We had no other hope. (laughs) Uh, you talk about job security, there is no other person in the world that is perfect like Jesus Christ. And in saying so, nobody else could have done it. And the fact is, He is God. We talk about people that humbled themselves and became obedient. Boy, we think about preachers today. Man, there's a lot of preachers that are very much proud people. They don't try to uh, help people. They're just all about themselves. Um, there's people out there that are, uh, what can I do for myself? Nobody's about being humble. Nobody's about being uh, letting go of their pride. But God, Jesus Christ was the creator of the universe and yet came down and brought down to our level and died on the cross for our sins. What a great gift that is. All right, letter C. Make a public testimony before others. It says here, number one, have you told someone that have, you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ? And he says, look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 15 and see the relationship between Confessing Christ and assurance. Alright, let's turn there. First John chapter 4 and verse 15. It says here in verse 15, Whosoever... Sorry, I'll let you guys get there first. It says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. When's the last time that you shared your faith with someone else? I know it's easy because I was just thinking about this the other day. You go to the gas pump, and how do you pay for the gas? The car. The car, you go to the, the pump, you just pay right there at the pump, right? Um, you go to the grocery store. Now they have these self-checkouts, self, self checkouts, right? You don't really talk to anybody when you come home. And if you work like me, I worked with some people that I don't work on a continual basis. So I don't really have them co-workers I do but they don't I don't see them. How do I get t- chances to share with someone else? Well you have to make a purpose to share with someone else. Share the gospel with someone else. It's something that you have to do on purpose. It just doesn't happen. A lot of times you just don't get around people. We're especially since COVID, we've seen a, a drop in social interaction, haven't we? We have to have that ability to share the gospel with Jesus Christ. And if you can do that, as the Bible says, if you have done that, it says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God will him, and he is God. Who are you confessing to? Well, I think you can confess that that to God himself, but you can also confess that to others. Hey, I'm a Christian. When's the last time you told someone that? Hey, I'm serving God. It's very easy as a pastor to tell people you're a Christian. Why? Because it's engulfed in your life, but sometimes as as someone that's in the church, it can be harder. I, just an example given, uh, how it's easier for a pastor. One of the things that I have to do is, I have to be at church on Thursday nights. And so, I tell people, look, I can't I can't work th- late Thursday. Oh, why? Well, I, I'm a pastor, I preach, and, uh, this is part of my faith. Now, I've always done that. But the idea there is, I've always got that opportunity ahead of me. And it should be the same, You should just be for the pastor, You should become the a Christian. There should be some evidence that you are a Christian, and you're living the Christian life. Uh, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, and verse 32. The Bible says in verse 32, that whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Boy, this is a good verse to remember, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Now I'm gonna ask you a question, you theologians here. Is this work salvation? This verse right? Yes. I would say yes. Is it work salvation? Now that we believe that we go to heaven by good works, no. So what is Jesus trying to say here? The importance of it. What's that? The importance of it. Okay. Brooklyn. A little brainiac. What? Your testimony. Okay. What I'm trying to get at is God is telling us specifically that if we don't confess before men, that he's not going to confess us before his father. Now, I think there's a couple things you need to think about. First of all, it should be natural. If you're a Christian, it should be natural. It should come naturally. Just like a bird flies, well, some bird, <laughs> not all. What birds don't fly, Carlos? Penguins. Penguins. Good job. Small boy. Uh, birds don't fly, or some birds fly. It should be natural. They get up and they go south, and some go south for the winter. Just, it's clockwork, right? Same as a Christian, we should have that desire to share our faith with others. And if you don't, my question is, is why not? Now, I think there's a couple things I want, one other thing I want to point out here. In this verse, it says, But whosoever shall deny me before men, him also will I deny before my Father, which is in heaven. Do we ask God for things as Christians? We sure do. Do you think that our prayers are hindered when we ask Him for something, but we haven't been faithful as a soul? We haven't been faithful giving the witness? Boy, I'd have to raise my hand here and say, Yeah, that's me sometimes. How much of a witness have I been? And maybe the reason why I'm not getting answers to prayer is because... I have been faithful in my witness. It's important to understand. That's a good verse. All right. And uh, uh, if you don't know, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Let's turn in there. If you don't know it, if you do know it, if you don't know it, memorize. This is a good verse for um, salvation. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. This is one of the ones that I specifically put when I lead someone to the Lord. I, I get put this in here. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It says in verse 9, it says that if thou shalt, or verse 10, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The idea there is what? You are going to confess before men your uh, your salvation. It's going to be something important to you. And so what I'm saying is when you when you get saved and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, one of the first things you're going to want to do is tell others. My dad, uh he tells the testimony when he first got saved. He said that he was telling my uncle and my uncle was like uh listening and he was paying attention but my uncle uh, my aunt was so against that salvation that he was doing, so much so that she would try to stop the conversation from happening. But my dad was like that. He was constantly witnessing to others. Uh, she, she, she even does that with me. I tried to witness to my cousin, and she would come to, what are you guys talking about? She would try to get in between us and uh, each other. But it's great to know that you as a Christian, you have a great responsibility before God to share that testimony, He says here, one way you can publicly confess Christ is to come forward at the invitation of one of the church meetings. The pastor will gladly introduce you to the church and the family who will then pray for you and encourage you. I think it's interesting that there are some people who are not excited about their salvation. You ask someone, hey, are you saved? Yeah, I was saved. I had one guy come in here at the church one time. I I started talking to him. I said, well, one of the first things I always ask people, I says, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? And he looked at me and he said, uh... Kind of mumble of mumbled as the verse. Yeah, I got saved. I was seven. He left it at that, and I said, well, "Wait a minute." And I said, "Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ? And what did you do when you asked Jesus to be your savior?" And I asked those questions. He didn't seem very excited about it. Listen, a Christian should have that desire. It should be on their lips to publicly confess Christ. Um, and I think it's important not just in front of others, but in front of the unsaved as well. All right, letter D: Attend church, in, church meetings as much as possible. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. You say, Pastor, why is it important for me to be in church? Well, you need the encouragement from fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and they're here to encourage you. Uh, you're not only being an encouragement to fellow, or not only are people being an encouragement to you, but they're also, you are being an encouragement to them, with them. Don't think one iota that your pastor is not encouraged when you are faithful to church says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but what? Exhorting one another, what? So much more as you see the day approaching. There should be a sense that you are being faithful to church. You are faithful to what God has given us to do. Uh, you're being faithful in these things. And here he says in verse 22, let us draw with a true heart and full assurance of having our hearts sprinkled with an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. He basically commands it, and in verse 22 he talks about the assurance that comes along with it. When you are faithful to church, and you're faithful to other Christians, listen to me, it will help you in your assurance. I'll tell you what, when I have missed church for three months, that was the worst feeling I ever had. I missed church, sometimes I was able to make it to the midweek service, and boy, I tell you what, I'd get up on Sunday morning, and I'd have to go to work, and, and I would always just Belabor the fact, as I looked at my children getting ready, I thought, what am I doing here? I need to be a faithful encouragement. I'm sure I hurt my father and I hurt other people in the church because I wasn't faithful. And I've apologized to people since about that. I do think it's important to understand the importance of being in church. And then the last one that he gives us is E, which is live a righteous life. And you say, easier said than done, pastor. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It is hard. Uh, but it does help you with your assurance of your salvation. Turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 17. I dare say that it's impossible to live a righteous life without Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm saying as a Christian, you need to be faithful to the spirit of what God wants you to do. Don't obey the flesh, but give it to the spirit. It says in verse 32, verse 17. Someone read that for me. Chloe, why don't you read that I'm for sorry, me? i Isaiah what? 32, 17. Anybody else there? Go ahead, Sister Winning. And the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Right there it explains it, right? There is a sense of assurance when you are working righteousness and you have the, the effect of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. I'll be honest with you, when I'm not doing right, I know that I'm not doing right. Now, I've settled this question if I'm saved or not, so it's much easier for me to understand this. But for the new Christian, or for the carnal Christian, one of the things they struggle with is the assurance of their salvation. One of the biggest reasons why they struggle with the assurance, listen to me kids, this is important for you girls, listen, as a young person, you will get to a point where you have to make a decision. You've all made a confession that you've uh, professed Jesus Christ as your Savior, but listen, if you start living in sin, you start doing things that are wrong, it's going to be hard to really understand your salvation. Okay? It's important. Alright, so let's see here. The effect of righteousness. Good job. The effect of righteousness is what? Quietness and... Sure. Assurance for ever, correct. All right, let's turn to one verse, one more verse. Proverbs chapter ten and verse nineteen. Or I'm sorry, nine. Proverbs chapter ten and verse nine. The Bible says here, "He that walketh uprightly walketh surely." But he that perverteth his ways shall be known. There is a surety in what he believes. When you walk upright and you do what's right, you have confidence in your Lord and Savior. But when you follow your pathway of unrighteousness and fleshly living, I can guarantee you this, as it says here, he that perverteth his ways shall be known. You are a person that's going to be known for your ways. You're going to be... Uh, unsure. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There is an importance to understand this. Why do some Christians struggle? For this very reason right here, they don't have full assurance. Why do they not have full assurance? Because they continue to walk outside of what God wants them to do. Try to be what Christ wants you to be. I'll be honest with you, many Christians are struggling with things. and In this day and age, there are a lot of things to be uh, questioned and, and happen to struggle with. But listen, if you, you live by faith and you have fellowship with God, you spend time in prayer and you spend time in Bible study and you get encouragement from bro- other brothers and sisters in Christ, it'll be that much easier to be able to have that assurance of your salvation. Oh, here's the next one. I didn't get a chance to write all these because it's a lot. What happens when I sin? Alright. What happens? One of you girls come here to erase this so I can write the new stuff. What happens when I send? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. First John chapter 1, verse 8. This is a huge misconception in quote unquote Christian circles today. Huge misconception. First John 1 8. The Bible says is it uh, the, the one that I love, my daddy used to give me this verse all the time, 1 John 1, 9, is, if you confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. We find here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 it says, if we say that we have no sin, we what? Deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, first of all is it possible for the Christian to say, it? Yes! Yes! Very much so! Do you sin, Pastor? Yes! Yes! Just that's my children and my wife. Uh, they have very much, can see my sinful nature at times. But that doesn't mean you continue in it. They don't continue in it. But when you have someone that comes up to you, and this is, I've, I'm actually thinking about writing a track, and it's called, Bad People Go to Heaven. <laughs> only bad people go to heaven. You say, why are you saying that? Because really, the, the honest truth is, is the only way that you can heaven is to recognize that you're a sinner. That you're a bad person. There's no other way to look at it. Righteous people don't come to, come to heaven. Why? Because they think they're too good. They don't need Jesus Christ. Even Jesus said he came to seek and to save those that were what? Lost. And that's important to understand. So it is possible for the Christian to sin. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. First John chapter 2 and verse 1. The question here is. Does God want a Christian to sin? Alright, so we've already established that Christians do sin. What do we find here in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1? Does God want a Christian to sin? Oh, uh, you know, I've heard of these, some people teach this uh, philosophy called paper grace. Have you ever heard that term? Paper grace. Basically saying that if you are, because God has saved you, um, you are going to sin. You have a sin nature, so don't worry about sin. Just go out and live your life like you want to. God will forgive you. Now I'll stop here and say that God never intends for you to sin. He doesn't want you to sin. And this verse, it gives it. It says, In my little children, these things write unto you that ye what? Sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Okay? I'll give you this illustration. This is probably the best way to illustrate this. An engineer has a ability to design something to specifications, right? Uh, whatever you're making, um, let's just say you're making a medical device. I was reading, how many of you have ever heard of the, um, I think it's Ther- Theranos, was the uh, lady that was, you've heard of her? She made. She supposedly was going to make a device that all you had to do was get a blood prick, and then basically a little drop of blood, and they could be able to not have to draw blood for tests and things of that nature. And some of her equipment was supposed to do this type of work. Well, it didn't. She? And she got caught up in it. And she got exposed. And now she's in jail. Or she's going to go to uh, jail uh, the, the September 20th, somewhere in September. I just heard about this the other day. But the interesting thing is, is that I work with a lot of machines. And machines are supposed to work a certain way. What happens when that variable happens? When it doesn't work? Well, we always go back to the guy that created it and say, "Hey, what why is this wrong? What can we do to fix it?" Right? We have the same opportunity. God never when you when you're sick, God never intended for us to sin. Not once. But because of Adam, we became sinners. And so, we go back to the engineer and say, "God, can you fix this for us?" He's the only way it can happen. He never intended for it to happen that way. The engineer never intends for his machine to quit working the way it does. But he's the one that also has to find a fix for it. And as Christians, boy, we need that importance to understand that God never intended. He says, these things write unto you that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate. The reason Christians, uh, uh, the Christians go their wrong way and they continue to live in sin is because they never go back and ask the Lord say, Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, to say, Lord, help me fix this. Help me to make this right. Help me correct this. Help me to do what you want me to do. Here's the next one, letter C. And I've already quoted this verse, but I think it's a good verse. If a Christian sins, what is the one thing we are to do about it? So let's put this up. All right, C. And how many letters is that? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Alright, what are we to do, let's see here, when we sin, anybody, yes, confess, Confess. okay, we confess that we were saved, now we also have to confess to God that we've sinned, it's a consistent thing. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many times do you sin? Every day. Do you think you sin more than every day? How about every hour? Yep. Every minute. I know. Some of you girls especially. (laughs) Every minute. There should be a constant stream of God forgiveness. God, I have messed up here, forgive me. Not that you want to continue in sin. Once God gives you victory and you grow, there should be some uh, victory over your sin, but you're going to continue in sin. You're going to ask the Lord to forgive you and you're going to forsake and confess to God what you have done. That's the only way, the only remedy for us to be able to have that clear walk with God. It says, when I sin, letter D, Who appears before God the Father in heaven on my behalf? Oh, who does that? Does Brooklyn do that? Brooklyn Teesdale? does she do that? Does Chloe Teesdale? does your pastor do that? Who comes before God? Do we have a priest? Do we say, hey, priest, can you uh, take care of this sin? Is that how it works? Who is the only person that can take care of this sin? Jesus. Jesus Christ. When we pray, we say, dear Heavenly Father, but what do we do when we end the prayer? In Jesus' name. Because who, who are we talking to, first of all? We're talking to Jesus Christ. And he's talking to who? God. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. There is only one mediator. There's not a priest. There's not a mom or dad. Girls, I can't confess your sin to God. The only person that can confess to God is Jesus Christ, and you have to ask Christ to help you with it. So, basically, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, we have to appear, who appears before God the Father on my behalf? Jesus Christ, the righteous, the righteous. Alright. And then 1 John chapter 6, letter E, verses 6 and 7, in your own words... What does a Christian lose when he sins? Alright, so there is a penalty, okay? You just can't go along walking in sin, living in sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The Bible says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The idea there is that we are going to confess our sins to Him, but if we don't, what happens when you sin? Anybody? Yes? We lose fellowship with Christ and keep walking our sin. All right, let's go to our verse, verse 6 of uh, First John chapter 1. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, what happens? We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. I'm going to illustrate this a little bit. Oh, this is not probably the best uh, drawing. I'm going to have to get Brooklyn up here and draw for me. This is a, a sun. I know it's a half circle, but it's the sun, right? All right, so we got, well, again, this is not the best drawing. We got little stick people down here, right? Now, all, oh, I mean, join the sun. We got these new windows, our, our new house, and we're We love the sun, we love the uh, windows, a lot of light in the the living room, and we love it. The cats love it, the dogs love it, we love it. But what happens some days when there's clouds outside? Well, something, there's still sun there. It's great. It blocks it, right? Here comes this blockage. We don't enjoy the light anymore. It doesn't shine on us anymore. It's not not warming us. It's not bringing us uh, the ability to see clearly. And that's important the same way with your Christian life. When you walk faithfully, this little, little cloud out here is like sin. Your son is God. When you sin... You block that direct sunlight to your life. There becomes a point where you are no longer seen clearly. There comes a point when you're not warmed by Christ. You're not given that uh, sustenance from the sun. I remember someone telling me the other day, or not the other day, a few years ago, that vitamin the best way to get vitamin D is what? Summer. We used to have a lady in our church who struggled with, she had a vitamin D deficiency. And I told Mama, she did not drink enough milk. My mom says, no, she just needs to get out in the sunlight more. And I thought that's such a great illustration. We as Christians, we forget that we have to walk close to God. If you didn't have sun, believe me, I'll be honest with you. I went to Washington for a week, and there was a one day that it had sun, but my dad told me the whole month of November it rained. There was no sunlight. I can't imagine living, yeah, we live in the Midwest, but we have sunlight. It's depressing, right? When you walk without God, you will be depressed. You will be uh, losing the values of what comes from God. Let's make sure that we live uh, sin. Where's my embracer? It's up there. Sin free. Keeping that sunlight there so we can be able to get the full value of it. And make sure that we're living by faith. All right. We've got a few minutes. Hallelujah. Last week, I didn't get through everything. Actually, we're still finishing up the, the letter A. All right, here we go. Here we go. You guys ready? Can I ever lose my salvation? Can I ever lose my salvation? All right. Some people believe this. Can somebody tell me of a religion that believes you can lose your salvation? A Pentecost. Or a faith? What's that? A Pentecost. Yes, they do, don't they? Pentecost believe this. They believe that you're not... Uh, saved for eternity. Anybody else? Catholic. Catholics. Well, I don't know if they believe you ever are saved. Um, yeah. You believe the works salvation. Muslims are different. Totally different thing. Um, the, the Presbyterians believe that you can lose your salvation. They didn't used to. I'll start with peace. Also Who else? Methodists. Pentecost, most modern religions believe that you can lose your salvation. Um, even. Baptists. No. Um, so the missionary Baptists, you've heard them talk about I live a sanctify, I'm sanctified, separated, that type of thing. This idea there that you can, don't continue to sin you sin, then I'm sorry, you're out of sorts with God, and you need to get resaved. Okay? Salvation is a one-time thing. Jesus Christ saved you, and He is the same today, yesterday, and forever. When He saved you is when He died on the cross. How many years ago did He die on the cross? Over 2,000 years ago. So when He saved you your sin, He was not thinking of just the sin that you've committed. He knew the sin future, past, present, and future. There's no doubt. And so this is a doctrine that affects every Christian, uh, especially in modern era. So John chapter 10, verse 28, let's turn here. Why, let me just ask this question, and maybe I will be able to get an answer from you. Why do you think people believe that you can lose your salvation? Because faith. Yeah, that's pretty pretty good. That's right. Yes it takes more faith to believe that you're sealed now it's it's easier I think for human nature to believe that you would lose that okay, okay. But, I agree with that yes I just I know that they say that but the Pentecost that how could God have a person in heaven who has sinned or is sinful okay. so All right is that as soon as you sin, you have to confess or get saved again. If, if you don't that second, you will go to hell. That's basically what it is. That's amazing. I've never heard that one, but that's great. Yeah. Here's the one thing that people don't realize. Jesus equals heaven, salvation, right? We know there's only one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come unto the Father but by me, Jesus Christ. Okay? Here's the other way of looking at it Jesus plus something. They are not trusting completely in Christ, they're, they're trusting in Jesus plus something else. Their works. Yes, it's a work salvation. When you don't believe in security, eternal security, you're believing in who? Yourself. If you have to do good works to get to heaven, then you're in trouble. Nobody is perfect. The Bible says if, if a man commit one sin, he's guilty of, or break one of the commandments, he's what? guilty of every one of them. There's no hope without Christ. So if you believe in Jesus Christ and you put your faith and trust in Him and you turn from your sin and turn to Him, then yes, you're granted that salvation. But if you're just turning to Jesus Christ partially and saying, there's something else I need to be able to be saved. This this goes with uh, Church of Christ. They believe you need to be baptized to be saved. It's a work. Salvation. Uh, uh, the, Pre- the Presbyterians, some of them even believe that the Lutherans believe you need to be baptized as a baby. There are things that they do that say works plus Jesus equals salvation. That's not what the Bible teaches. So we find here in First John, or John chapter 10, verse 28. Someone read that for us. I'm sorry, sure I kind of... Yes, go ahead. And All right, what a good verse. This says, My father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Now, I use this illustration with kids all the time, right? Uh, let's see here. I got it. I used to have a quarter in my pocket. We never carry cash anymore, do we? Um, I used to have a quarter, but I put it in the pocket. Anybody got change? A small change? I do. I do. You got yeah, All right. Penny? Yeah. All right. Here we go. We got a nickel. Now, of course, I wouldn't ask Brother Rolando to do this, because he probably would get it out of right here, But, uh, Kali, go ahead. Go ahead. Now, who's stronger than God? I use this illustration in junior church a lot. Who's stronger than God? Go ahead, it's yours. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. If she gets it out, I'm in trouble. <laughs> she can't get it out, right? She's trying everything she can. I used to do this all the time. I mean, come on, i put more than that. i put a buck, i put ten bucks. Uh, of course, sometimes I just give it to the kids afterwards because they tried so hard. You're really trying to hurt me, man. But the idea there is that God is mightier than all. So for you to say, for you to say that God is not able to keep you saved, and he is not a great God, he is not a majestic, majestic God, you're basically saying that God is weak. Jesus says right here, he says, No man is able to pluck them out of, their, out of my hand. John ten twenty nine. It says it says no man is for words to remove us from from God's hand. What does that say? Verse twenty nine. Four words is able is able. John chapter six in verse thirty seven.